everyone. Welcome back to Sophomore Citizens. I'm Gigi. I'm Liesl. And I'm Lily. All right. So for today's check-in, we wanted to jump right into a topic that we talked about in one of our very earliest episodes, which was all about age gap relationships. And specifically in that episode, we were talking a bit about Scott Disick and Sophia Ritchie at the time. And now rumors have come out that Scott Disick, age 37, is now rumored to be dating Amelia Hamlin, Hamlin. 19 years old. She's Lisa Rinna and Harry Hamlin's daughter. Um, what do what do we think, girls? They are 18 years apart, and um, that's a full-blown person, and that's all I need to say. What I will say is that when I saw this headline, I was both in disbelief and in complete belief. This is a person we have seen do this many times before. Did I think he was going to continue to stoop down to teenagers? No. But when it has now happened, am I really that surprised? No. I I I think it's really interesting because at least from my perspective when we first spoke about age gap couples, you know, I really try to come at it with openness, with understanding and with not trying to judge, you know, and to let people live their lives. And I do know that there are a lot of age gap couples that do get along really well. And I think even in that episode, we talked a little bit about how, for example, our dad has quite a youthful energy. And so it makes sense him dating someone who's a little bit younger than him. Um, And, but when I saw this headline, I was just so upset because I truly think that once you get into teenage territory and when you do it more than once, it is a pattern. It is creepy. And I just, what I can't stop thinking about is the fact that like, for example, Amelia was probably born after 9-11. You know, she is Gen Z through and through, you know, she might as well be a TikTok star. Like she's in that age category she she's like addison ray they're all in the same bracket and then for which makes it even weirder i'm i'm sorry to interrupt a little bit it makes it even weirder that scott's ex-wife the mother of his children is friends with a tiktok star who is older than amelia hamlin exactly exactly and like everyone when you know courtney and addison started hanging out They were like, this is so weird for her to be hanging out with someone who's so much younger. What do they even have to talk about? Let's talk about dating someone who's even younger than that girl. Like, how old is Mason? I literally think Mason is like 12 years old. That's a seven-year age difference between your son and the girl you're dating. The girl. Like, Mason and Amelia have more in common. your your, Your prepubescent son is literally about five, seven years younger than your girlfriend. And as you pointed out, Liesl, it's like, if you're a one-time offender of dating a teenager or like, you know, a 19-year-old, but then it blossoms into like a three-year relationship the way that it did with um, Sophia Ritchie, it's kind of like, all right, maybe this makes sense. And like, you know, people would make the argument like, she grew up in the industry, like her dad is Lionel Richie, her sister is um, Nicole Richie. It's like, 
you definitely grow up faster in that environment. And like, maybe they had enough in common, like given their similar networks and stuff. But it's like, if you're going after another 19 year old, as you continue to age, it's fucking weird. I also think like, as someone who has watched Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which she has been featured on multiple times, she really comes across like a, a kid, a young, young person, you know? And like, she on the Real Housewives, like is, is living with her parents is, you know, um, she was struggling with like an eating disorder. Like she's trying to figure out what she wants to do in life. She went to college and then she dropped out. Like they've followed a lot of her storylines and to be in that place in your life of 19 and trying to figure stuff out and then dating someone who is nearly 40, those are two completely different stages of life. And I think that that's one of the biggest things with age gap couples is like an 18 year age difference. If you're 78 and 60, that's fine. You know, like we're okay with that. But the younger and younger and younger that the couple is, the more inappropriate it is. And for good reason. I also just can't stop thinking about it from her perspective, which I'm not going to condone what he's doing because it's weird. We've said it's creepy, the behavior, the pattern. No. But it's almost worse from her side of it. And maybe I just say this because I can relate to her because she's pretty much my age and we're in more or less the same phase of life, obviously very different upbringings, but like I can understand her feelings way more than I can understand his. And to me, it's like, okay, maybe Scott just has a youthful energy and like that is sort of maybe makes sense. But again, we are not condoning it. But for me, the thought of ever being with a man 18 years older than me and walking down the beach in my bikini where he's wearing his black t-shirt and like holding hands and legitimately being able to have a romantic conversation just seems so wrong and far-fetched that I'm like, honey, how are you operating in this relationship? And like Lisa Rinna's take on it has been like, oh, it's just a phase. Like my daughter's just going through this. It will pass. But I'm like, no, no, I'm not worried about it passing. Like, how are you right now having these feelings and like being okay with them? I don't care if you break up in the future, but like, what? Because is- you will, because you will break up in the future. That's not a question. You it's like, will. this is still, this is still concerning right now in the moment. And the other thing is also like, if we look to Leo, who is number one known for continuing to date 25 year olds as he continues to age, there is such a big difference between a person at 25 years old versus a person at 19. Even as a 22-year-old young adult, I'm like, I am a mess. I don't know anything. I'm literally like a child. Please don't come anywhere near me, 40-year-old man. Like, please leave me alone. I don't want to come near you. You don't want to come near me. This is not what's meant to happen. And also, like, Scott, fine, like, date down. Like, okay, again, we can get the youthful energy maybe a little bit. Okay, date someone younger. But, like, you are aging, so the girls that you're dating, they can be younger, but they need to be aging too. Like, let's maintain 10 years. You don't get to stick with the same age, and then you get older, and it only grows the age gap. That's not how it works. I also feel like being a man who has a daughter, like, Scott, Think about if your little daughter was 19 years old and was dating a 40-year-old man. Would you be okay with that? 
Like, no, you wouldn't. You you genuinely wouldn't. And like, I I think it, it's it's funny because I do have some friends who have mentioned that they think Scott is attractive, you know? And they're like, this was a couple of years ago, but I do think that, you know, the, the whole thing with like the way that men age and the way that women age and the way that society views both of them, it's like girls of our generation are attracted, you know, or have crushes on guys who are very old at this point. You know, when you think about Brad Pitt, Leo, Scott, like these, these men who are fully grown men are still considered by society to be like hot and attractive. Whereas like women who are that age, it's not like guys who are our age are like crushing on Julia Roberts and Anne Hathaway, you know, like they're crushing on people their own age. So I feel like this is a really deep societal thing. And it says a lot about how we view the way that men age, men just get hotter and hotter, you know, or not, not really. But, you know, men, men age like fine wine, whereas women, it's like, by the time a woman is 30, we want to just like toss her out, you know? Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. But I I do think it is important to acknowledge that there are a lot of men, celebrities included, who do not age well, and who do not stay in the, you know, babe pool of celebrity crushes. But I do, I get what you're saying, Liesl, because it's like, Someone like Brad Pitt, someone like Leonardo DiCaprio, someone like um, uh, George Clooney, whoever. It's like they stay, they stay like hot and relevant for a long time. And like, yeah, I would say that maybe like the hot old guys are more like few and far between, but like I could probably name five. Whereas like the old women who are considered hot, like literally name me one old lady or like woman over the age of 45 that everyone's like, oh, like that lady, (laughs) you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting phenomenon. But I think like at the end of the day, I just, I just don't want girls to look at the situation with Amelia and Scott and emulate this situation I really don't want to continue to perpetuate this idea that it's appropriate for a teenage girl to be with an adult grown-ass man who has children it also yeah it freaks me out that like she's one two years away from statutory rape right like that's freaky she also c- can't even drink at a restaurant. Can you imagine going out to dinner with your girlfriend and you're 37 years old and she goes to order a glass of wine and they go ID please and she cannot provide it legally? Unfortunately, celebrities do benefit from like getting stuff regardless. That is true, but but like from a But you like know, legal- legally she can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's also just insane to me, which I'm pretty sure this is very obvious, but how commonplace this is. For example, um, on my daily scrolls through TikTok, the number of videos I see of a girl who gets a message being like, hey, you want a sugar daddy? And then they started FaceTiming and then she became his girlfriend and now they go on boat vacations every year and they are so happy and age is just a number. Like, 
No. I've seen those too, Lily. No, I see them all the time. And it's weird how normal it feels like it's becoming. Yeah, totally. And like, I think that also this particular coupling hits me hard because I know the high school that Amelia and her sister went to. I oftentimes heard about people seeing or interacting with her sister because her sister's a little bit older. So I wasn't really hearing about her when I was in high school, but I did hear about her sister and she, she was just part of the um, LA ecosystem of going out and whatever people who just knew each other. So that's what makes it hit even closer to home for me is the fact that like, I have heard of these people as people when I was in high school, you know, and like the fact that she's even younger than her sister and she's now dating Scott, it just makes it even more real. And I think with Sophia, it was a lot easier to just see her as this like ambiguous other stranger person. Um, But with Amelia, having been on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and just having been grown up in LA, it, it does hit a lot closer to home. And that's when I'm like, I know people her age, you know, like I know what people her age are like. And I know that that's not where she needs to be in life to be dating a 37 year old. Especially when also let's just do a quick role reversal and sorry to Lily's brother, Cameron for putting him in this situation, but let's just for fun. Cameron starts dating a woman who is 37. Uh, Like, let's just sit with that for a second. Cindy and Glenn would not be having that. And I love that you bring this up because yes, let's think about that. Okay, I would like to start what what would they um like talk about beyond the weather and their day to day life? Because um I see no similarities between the thirty eight year old women I know and um my eighteen year old brother who I also know. I think they would, as I said, maybe be able to talk about the temperature outside and um how they slept last night, and then that would be it, and then they'd be silent, and then she would be like, oh, do you want to meet my friends? And Cameron would be like, no, I have nothing. In co- like, there is nothing to work with. And that is what you need for a functional relationship. So, spoiler alert, this is not going to function. Yeah. Gigi, I, I love that you bring that up. And I just, I just implore anyone who stands or ships this relationship to picture in their mind any 19-year-old that they know and picture in their mind any 38-year-old that they know and imagine them interacting. And that's all that's all you need to know. Like it yeah, is. Yeah, especially such because a- I think some people, some people might try and make the argument like, oh, like uh, you know, the maturity levels of Amelia and Scott could like match up because girls mature faster, not at that rate. Not, not at, at that, that rate. rate. Not at and that like, rate. Okay, yeah, Scott has some like trauma and stuff and he's going to rehab. Like he's a mess. Like he should, he, like if anything, he needs to be as far away from the youth as possible. And like, it's about so much more than maturity levels. Like, okay, fine. Even if their maturity levels match up, that is not all you need for a healthy functional relationship. You need a million other things that you don't have. So even if you try to make this maturity argument with me, that is not enough. And something that I thought was weird about Scott and Sophia's relationship was the fact that Sophia was originally Kylie's friend, you know, and Kylie 
in Scott's life is her little kid sister, you know, or not actually biologically, of course, but he, he experienced his life when she was a little girl and then he dated someone her age. Now it's gotten so bad that he's dating someone three years younger than Kylie, three years younger. Like, can you imagine the idea of like Kylie is a 12th grader and Amelia is in freaking ninth grade. Like even 12th grade to ninth grade, we weren't okay with people having relationships. (laughs) Another thing I would like to say is that when I first saw this image, like to be honest, I don't know where I first saw it. I saw them walking on the beach, whatever the, the photo that was like circulating. So of course, like I go do some more investigative work. I, I take to Google and I'm like, what the fuck is up? Amelia Hamlin and Scott Disick. And all of the articles that came up talked both about her Scott situation and also that she had a nipple piercing that got infected. And she was like a couple hours away from sepsis, which is like this thing that can kill you. And she had to have surgery and then her boob, her boobs were like different sizes. So she had to get um, like boob surgery to like make them the same. Wow. Um, Well, I'm glad she's okay. Um, (laughs) I'm really glad she was able to save her boob. Um, But that's quite the, that's quite the pairing of stories. Um, I think that our advice is just Amelia stay in your lane please scott scott stay in your lane stay in your lane just just stay there and i'm telling you like they're not going to stay together for long like i don't think that they're going to be together for long at all and the world will be watching you scott disick who you choose next it better be jennifer aniston or someone (laughs) old jennifer meryl streep way too good for helen mirren Hello, Mirren. <laughs> Where are you at? <laughs> Betty White. Maybe Betty White would be good for Scott. He does <laughs> like age gap. He likes age gap. Betty White is a beautiful and vivacious. I think she's almost 100. She's incredible. And talk about someone who's too good for Scott. Betty White is way too good for Scott. Let's do <laughs> Helen Mirren. That's perfect. I ship that. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry to Helen's husband or, you know, if she has a partner, I don't know. I am curious. I know that I don't want, we don't want to get too like off topic, but I am just curious quickly. What are our thoughts on um, Kaya Gerber and Jacob Elordi's relationship? Um, I'm not really that uh, dialed in, dialed into that, but I do not like Jacob Elordi. Um, it Ditching Zendaya. Like, yeah. It seems like he's really um, ju- like jumping from one thing to the next. Obviously, he was with Joey King, um, which was disgusting. Um, and then like, I just didn't even think he was good enough for Zendaya because he had the stains of Joey King like left on him in my mind. Um, so he, he wasn't good enough for Zendaya and I didn't want them to last, but like now Kaya Gerber, like, it's just like, stop, like, just stop, stop. All right, beautiful. So now we will get into the main theme of today's episode, which is going to be all about Thanksgiving and with a specific emphasis on the idea of being thankful and gratitude in general during this time of year. Um, So we do want to point out that obviously Thanksgiving and the history of Thanksgiving has a lot of problematic undertones and we do not want to perpetuate those or support the narrative of, you know, the white savior 
complex that kind of comes with Thanksgiving and all of that stuff. And we want to be as respectful as possible. Um, but we do want to have a fun conversation about some of the other elements of Thanksgiving, such as the food, the celebrations, the traditions, the gratitude, and all of that kind of stuff. So Lily, do you want to kick us off with your topic? Yes. So my topic is just our general thoughts and feelings on Thanksgiving. As someone who loves Thanksgiving very, very much and not for the reasons of its history, I think that is fucked and terrible and I am not standing by that, but I love the family time and the food and all of that. So it was news to me when I recently learned that Thanksgiving is um, quite a controversial holiday. And again, not in the way of its history, but in the way of lots of people not liking the food, feeling stressed about family time, all things of the sort. And as I mentioned, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday other than Christmas, but being the good Jew I am, I will say that Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. And I love the food and I love the time I spend with my family. And I just think it's such a fun kickoff to the holiday season, which makes it extra fun because we've gone from being in a holiday drought to being full of nothing but love and festivity. So I would love for you two girls to start off by telling me your general thoughts and feelings on this wonderful, fantastic holiday we have approaching. So to start on the food aspect of it, because obviously that is like a main component of what makes Thanksgiving Thanksgiving. I feel that, and I I would say that this is one of the more controversial aspects of Thanksgiving. Like I think that some people just really don't vibe with Thanksgiving food, which I can understand. But I think my personal stance on Thanksgiving food is that like the cuisine itself I'm here for the autumnal vibes, like the general flavor profile I'm feeling good about. I think part of the problem is that you're entrusting people to cook you this food and sometimes they're not good at cooking. And then that is when Thanksgiving food is bad. But when it's cooked right, when you got the dishes on lock, then like it's going to be a feat. Yes, Gigi. I think that that's a great point. Um, I similarly am pretty, feel pretty positively towards the Thanksgiving food. I think that honestly, a lot of the time, you know, for whoever the cook is, if there is like a main head chef at the Thanksgiving, um, I imagine it's highly, highly stressful. And I think that that's why um, oftentimes you sit down for Thanksgiving dinner and each element is fine, but it's not amazing. Oftentimes because it's fallen on one or maybe two or three people to execute this enormous, um, task of you know creating a thanksgiving feast so uh i can definitely say that i've eaten some some subpar thanksgiving food in my opinion like fine but not like amazing but i i think that the foods themselves are great um i feel pretty ambivalent towards thanksgiving overall um i've had some great thanksgivings i've had some not so great thanksgivings um Last year, I basically just skipped Thanksgiving and went to Mexico instead, and that was really fun. Um, So I'm not super attached to Thanksgiving, um, and so that's kind of where where I feel, how I feel. Okay, you want to know, speaking of you brought up subpar Thanksgiving foods, what I think is the literal most disgusting Thanksgiving food ever that should be banished. Can I guess? Yes. I think it's the cranberry sauce. I, mean, I would have we, also guessed that. We can ship that oh, out no, too. Stuffing? 
I no, I like stuffing actually. We can ship I out the like cranberry sauce. Too. I don't like that. But no, that doesn't deserve the title of worst food at the Thanksgiving table. Okay, hang on, hang on. I'm, hmm. I kind of am wanting to do a little brainstorm. Yeah, can't be mashed potatoes. Like obviously, is it? No, that's up in the top. That is it. Yeah, that obviously, obviously, is it yams with um marshmallows? Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, Get good that work, shit out i want nothing to do with that i don't that does not make me grateful for anything on this planet no no i don't want it i don't like it i no i i always if that's available i always put a little bit of, of that on my plate um just because it's so weird and feels so 1950s to me like i literally feel like that's how they like cooked all of their food is they were just like let me make something savory and then put like marshmallows or like jello on top of it um so I always like to try it and just check in and make sure I don't like it. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't, don't like know it. if I've ever, I don't even know if I've ever, you know, come across or like really interacted with the, the yams and, and marshmallows. That's so surprising to me, Deej. I hope you never have to. But I will say that um, to compliment my least favorite food at the Thanksgiving table, I think that my favorite food that I get the present, I mean, I get the pleasure of eating is pumpkin pie. I know that's a classic answer, but that is important to me that we say her name and we love her on this day and every day because I love pumpkin pie. I Yeah, I like, I like apple pie and pumpkin pie and mashed potatoes. I was going to say apple pie is definitely my number one over pumpkin pie, but I do still really like pumpkin pie. Um... We got to give some love to pecan pie. Oh my gosh. Pecan pie is so good. I don't feel love for her. Okay. And what about all of the time that we spend with our families, the Thanksgiving meal, talking, seeing relatives, maybe we don't like so much. So what I will say about my more recent Thanksgiving experiences where I, you know, have meet up with extended family what I love most about that interaction and those dynamics is that like you kind of get to watch certain things play out. You get to like spill the tea with your cousins. Like it is in my personal experience been fun to like, you know, get in on all the extended family shit. And like, there's always talking about like, oh yeah, when we were kids, like with this, you know, with the older generations. And like, I think that all that is fun and dandy, but I have seen particularly on TikTok and then this was even mentioned in one of my classes yesterday that like people always or like I guess specifically like young people go into Thanksgiving like with the mindset of I I gotta like mentally prepare for these Thanksgiving fights like I think that with family members who are not on the same wave politically it, it oftentimes takes a downturn into like we are going to go there with politics and we're going to fight. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting, Jeej, because um, I feel like we've had a variety of different types of Thanksgivings of just our family or, you know, some combination of others going on, um, which I know a lot of people just do the exact same, you know, thing every single year. Um, but so the the Thanksgiving that is kind of most prominent, I think, for me and Gigi, um, was going to a family member's house and the family member's situation is sort of a blended family because it's a man and a woman who got married, you know, when their kids were 
at least teenagers, maybe a little bit older. So, you know, we're on the dad side of the family and there's this whole other mom side of the family that to be honest, like we, we had never even met until Thanksgiving. So, you know, each year we go to this event and it's very, you know, us and them because we just don't know these people. Like they're not our family, but we're spending Thanksgiving with you. And I do feel like we, we all judge each other a lot. I think that our side gets a lot of judgment from them and we judge them rightfully. So, um, there are some definite characters going on um, that come to our Thanksgiving and it does sometimes become a bit of a show. And I, I, I do think that like the trope of like the slightly off aunt um, is a funny- It's always either the aunt or the uncle. There's like an aunt or uncle who's like a little off and we definitely um, have witnessed that, that trope. There's always a slightly off uh, family member. I know that in my Thanksgivings, which are typically very, very large, I would say like 30 people plus, which gives you the safety of being able to hide in the crowd and not have to interact with the off family member. But there is no way that anyone does not have someone that like either as we said, polit- engages in political arguments, gets too drunk, brings up things you don't want to talk about. I, I definitely can feel that. And sitting around the Thanksgiving table and having to spend time with them and watch the show is both fun and very cringy, in my opinion. I also think like there's something very comforting about going to a Thanksgiving and oftentimes just like hearing stories that you've heard so many times before. Um, like I know that for my mom and her siblings, like they always tell like the same stories. Like for example, there was like a phase of my mom's brother's life where he only spoke French. So like he refused to talk to anyone in the family in English and stuff like that. So they're always telling these, these stories and there's something very comforting and like nice about that. But, you know, to be honest, I don't think that we've experienced too much political discourse at Thanksgiving. Um, And I think that that would be really difficult to deal with. I don't think I would enjoy that much. There's nothing good about COVID, but I will say that because it is um, canceling out some people's Thanksgiving plans, given the proximity to the election, maybe it's a blessing in disguise that families with divided political views don't have to sit around a table this year because I can only imagine that that would be a disaster after the election we just had. And I've never even thought about the fact that Thanksgiving is so close to the results of the presidential election. Yeah. I also feel like for me, the fact that a couple of years I have skipped Thanksgiving. Um, one year I was abroad in Italy and last year I just went on a vacation with my friends instead of doing Thanksgiving. I think that that also helps um, make Thanksgiving, like I appreciate it more when I take a break from it. Like every couple of years, you know, you, you do something different. Like you don't always have to do exactly the same thing. Um, so, and especially because sometimes Thanksgiving can feel really similar in my opinion, to Christmas, obviously very different, but like the main meal, it can feel a little bit repetitive, I feel like. 
As someone who doesn't get the pleasure of celebrating Christmas, I want to go all out Thanksgiving every single year. And I find a lot of comfort in doing the exact same thing every year and like getting to experience the family traditions that we have developed. So I hope I never have to skip another Thanksgiving. And by another, I mean, I count this year because having to refine my traditions that I just referenced is quite the bummer for me due to the novel coronavirus. But I'm ready for Thanksgiving every single year. Bring it on. I look forward to this and I love this holiday very, very much. I personally um, don't like skipping Thanksgiving. Like it does kind of make me bummed out. Not that like, I mean, I guess like last year, for example, when I was abroad, I, I wasn't like that bummed about missing Thanksgiving, but like because Thanksgiving wasn't going to happen like in its true form. You know what I mean? Like we were on different parts of the world. So it's like, it just wasn't going to happen the way that it is meant to happen. So I didn't really feel like I was missing out on that much, but like thinking about this year where like we very well could have done like a whole family thing and like we can't because of covid it's like that does make me bummed out. Yeah, I agree. All right. So I think that we covered our general thoughts on Thanksgiving. Um, Jeej, do you want to introduce your topic? Sure. So going more so on the side of gratitude in general, I thought it would be interesting for us to discuss um, our relationship with gratitude in the sense that like Thanksgiving specifically is a time where we are traditionally, I don't want to say forced, but like encouraged to reflect on the things that we're grateful for. And like, oftentimes I would say at Thanksgiving, people do, you know, a, let's do a round of what we're grateful for, like that kind of thing. Um, and I guess what that brings to mind for me is like, would you say on a regular basis that gratitude is the kind of thing that comes very naturally to you? Or is it something that you have to consciously think about and consciously um, reflect on? I would say that gratitude does come very naturally to me. I think that I am regularly overcome with feelings of love and gratitude, most specifically to towards my friends and family. For example, if I'm like writing someone a birthday card and I just feel so grateful and thankful and so much love for them, it is a feeling I have in my body that I regularly experience and it takes shape in my life I would say most frequently when I struggle to know what to do with this and I think that Thanksgiving reminds me of this every year when we go around the table and say what we're thankful for and I say my friends and my family and my health and whatever else and I I'm like, I feel this feeling inside and I don't know what to do with it and obviously there is the answers of like okay I can tell the people I love and I'm thankful for. I can do things to appreciate what I am grateful for. But it is something that I regularly have trouble with, which is like, how do I make use of this feeling that I, as I mentioned, feel so often and make sure that my gratitude is being known and shown? Yeah, I think, you know, gratitude is an interesting emotion because it's not one that is like automatically expressed it's something you have to like you have to put an effort to create an expression of gratitude you know whereas like if you're you're happy and you're smiling and you're laughing like it's a very obvious um output to people of showing them 
your happiness, but with gratitude, as Lily is kind of saying, like, it's such an internal thing that you think in your mind and you feel in your heart that, you know, it, it isn't something that has like a direct, you know, physical embodiment of gratitude. So it, it's interesting, Gigi, that you bring up this, you know, do you, do you have to work to feel gratitude kind of question? Because I do think that it is a certain balance. Like there are times where I do feel gratitude just like randomly and I feel really grateful and happy and thankful, but there are other times when I do have to consciously like remind myself to be grateful and to have gratitude for what I have. Like, I don't think that anyone just, you know, walks around the earth and is like always super, super thankful because we get caught up in our day-to-day routines. So I do think that remind, like having reminders to be, to be grateful and having reminders of gratitude you know, every so often, like everyone kind of needs that reminder. And that's why I do think Thanksgiving is nice because it is just a little reminder of like, Hey, you know, be, be grateful, be thankful for what you do have every once in a while, you know? Yeah. And I think for me personally, like I would say that I, I have a certain level of gratitude and like contentedness about my life as just like a default setting. But as you're saying, Lisa, like we get caught up in our routines and we take things for granted. And it's like, this is just what my life looks like. So I'm not necessarily like constantly thinking about how fantastic it is, even though sometimes I am like, of course, sometimes it does come completely naturally out of nowhere, just feeling very grateful for whatever aspect of my life. But I think it's especially helpful for me when I feel like I'm struggling with something or I feel like I'm feeling down about something and I can just turn to, I have people in my life who love me. I have a functioning body. I have a functioning mind. I have an education that I'm working on. Like there are so many things that I have that I can feel genuinely so grateful. And it's like, it feels a little bit cliche to be like, oh, I'm grateful for my health. Like do people really mean that when they say it? Because it's like, you don't really, for most people, we don't know what it's like to not have our health. You know what I'm saying? Especially as young people, like we just kind of take it for granted most of the time. But I genuinely do think that like sort of returning to those basic things that that we feel grateful for, whatever that might be for, you know, a specific individual, they're not always going to be exactly the same for everyone. But it's like returning to those basics, I feel like refreshes my outlook on life. And it it makes it that much easier to get through stuff that's, that's um, bogging me down in the now. Yeah. And I think that that's something that like, it's important that like we're doing that to ourselves. I think, you know, like for me, when I'm feeling sad or down or angry or whatever, if I can, in my own mind, you know, bring it back to gratitude, then that, that can be really helpful. But I think that when others try to, you know, if you're sad or if you're in a bad mood and others try to be like, just be grateful for what you have, like, think about other people who don't have X, Y, and Z, you know, think about the kids that are starving in Africa, that kind of thing, when that gets forced upon you, like, I think that that level of comparison can be really toxic. And like, especially for whoever you're trying to compare, you know, the situation that you're experiencing to, it really dehumanizes a lot of people, like, you know, this kind of trope of like, well, kids are starving in Africa. It's like, all people have problems and yes there is like a relativity to it where some problems are bigger than others like you know the 
people starving in Africa, and I'm putting that in quotes, like they have their own problems too, you know, and it might not necessarily be the same problems that you have, but they're, they're human and they're people just like anyone. And they, they probably get bogged down in everyday stuff too. You know, like I I'm just trying to illustrate. I think that, you know, with gratitude, I think it really has to be like your own journey and your own internal you know, checking yourself. But when other people try to like force it onto you, I do think that that can be a little bit harmful, you know? And I think this for me, you explaining that Liesl and Gigi as well, really just links it back to the feeling of, or when people tell you like to not take things for granted and how there is a difference between like you're saying, Liesl, if you're complaining about something and yeah, maybe someone has it worse in another way, but there is a distinction to be made between what you're going through and what everyone else is going through and just not taking your situation for granted, which to go back to my struggles of gratitude and how I show it and how I feel it and all of that, for a large portion of my life, when people have said to me like, oh, you're so lucky to be in college, like don't take these four years for granted. I've been like, okay, yeah, I I don't want to, like I want to live it up and have my experience but like what does that mean like how do I not take it for granted and I think that only recently I have realized that it's as simple as just like being grateful and like taking a moment to be like I am so thankful and I feel so great to be having this wonderful experience and I'm not going to take it for granted and that doesn't mean anything about anyone else or being forced into this position of feeling this way like Lisa was saying and I really see that link in my own life. Well, I do also think that like what you're saying, Lily, specifically with like, don't take your college experience for granted, whatever. It's as simple as something like COVID coming along that just really snaps you back. It humbles you. And it's like the second that we can freely hug friends of ours, the second that we can do these things that we were so comfortably and naturally doing without questioning it for half a second, like when we do get to return to that, I genuinely do believe that everyone will feel so grateful to have those experiences again. And sometimes it takes an experience like this to remind you and to, you know, bring it back. I completely agree about COVID. And I think that like, you know, it's easiest to be grateful for something when that thing gets taken away, you know, and sometimes like things need to be taken away for us to have gratitude for them and to like really truly appreciate them. Um, And I think that like, that's okay. You know, like it's okay if I wasn't grateful before for being able to hug anyone I wanted or be close to anyone I wanted, because I just didn't think that there would ever be a world without that. But now that I am grateful for it, I do think that that can be so enriching and like such a source of happiness in our lives from here on out, you know, like once you've like absence makes the heart grow fonder, you know, once you've been away from something for so long, like when, when you get to be with it, you appreciate it so much more. Um, so I do think that that COVID and this whole journey, um, definitely connects back to gratitude. Um, so for my topic, I wanted to talk, um, and this is kind of similar to this because obviously with gratitude, and being grateful for our health, obviously our bodies kind of come into play with this. And I think that gratitude can be really beneficial on the journey of 
body positivity. Um, so do you girls have any thoughts about, you know, gratitude towards our bodies? Well, I definitely think that this is like prime example that fits into the, like, once something is taken away, that's when you can appreciate it. And like, you know, when you get sick and you're like, I can't even get up and go to the kitchen to make myself some food. Or like, if you, let's say, hurt your knee or something and you like have a a problem like walking to class. It's like, obviously, I think for the three of us, we've only ever had those kinds of temporary situations that like remind us that, you know, we need to be grateful for our, our bodies and for what they accomplish and what they can do for us on a daily basis. Um, and as you're saying, Liesl, I think sometimes it does take that like humbling experience of having something taken away or like temporarily um, altered in order for you to, to recognize that like the neutral or like the, the normal setting is something to be grateful for. Absolutely. This is something that really reminds me of something that I say all the time, which my roommates have made fun of me a few times this semester for doing. Um, And that is that I regularly just say, I am so grateful that my throat doesn't hurt right now because the past two years, I got strep throat approximately 15 times. And that is only a very slight exaggeration. And in every time I had strep throat, I would say to myself, and I probably would say out loud, God, Lord, whoever is up there listening to me, if you give me my throat not burning back, so I just feel normal, I swear to you, I will never, ever take it for granted. And time and time again, I got strep throat last year. And then finally, whoever granted me the wellness of my throat, I did not lie to them. And I always just say when I wake up in my head or out loud or when it feels right oh my gosh it feels so good that my throat doesn't hurt right now and it took having that taken away from me for me to understand how much I love being able to swallow without feeling like my throat is on fire and this is obviously a very specific example but I think it perfectly goes in to health and body stuff and all of that but I also will say to go back to our body positivity pod and to talk about this more specifically with gratitude and my body I spoke on that episode about how I get migraines and how it has affected my life a lot and it is weighed on my mental state of how I communicate with my body and the relationship I have in my body in many ways Um, I think I talked on that episode a little bit about how I kind of developed this relationship of mistrust with my body where I was like, you keep effing up and like doing this thing that is making it hard to live. So I don't trust you. And I know that's kind of a weird thing to relate back to gratitude, but it took me so long to understand that like this thing that was not in my control was happening to my body and I could not love it or be grateful because it was like hurting me I guess and it took you know reflection and such to come to the conclusion that all the other wonderful things that it's doing is really great I just think achieving a sense of gratitude for your body that is so obviously personal and such 
is a journey and it is something that doesn't happen overnight. And there's obviously so many things that we can love about our bodies and we cannot love about our bodies. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be grateful for some of them and not some of them. You know, for anyone who has struggled with body image issues, which I think is pretty much everyone, I think for me, a big thing is that when I'm not taking care of my body, if I'm not working out, if I'm not focusing on trying to eat things that are nutritious and healthy, like I feel like that impacts the way that I look at myself in the mirror versus the way that I'm able to look at my body that looks exactly the same when I am, when I do feel like I'm treating my body right. Like, and I feel like a lot of people maybe have had this experience where if they're working out and they're like, you know, trying to eat healthy and like take care of their body, mind, and soul, when they look in the mirror and they could see the exact same physical body, like they'll, they'll see it differently, you know, because you have this sort of like body dysmorphia going on. And I feel like for me recently with my dance journey, which I've talked about um, ad nauseum on this podcast, I truly feel like the art of dance and me like trying to work on that does make me feel more confident in my body and in my skin because it's it's like this expression of of moving your body in a way that is confident and like free and secure and then when you look at your body for like the rest of your day you know you feel more confident about it and you feel like it doesn't matter as much how it looks but it matters so much more like what it can do um And it really does just come back to being grateful for what your body can do and how it functions over what it looks like. I think that for me, gratitude for my body and the unconditional love for my body kind of go hand in hand, you know, because it's like when you can get to the place of unconditional love of like, no matter what we look like, no matter what we got going on, excuse me. It's like, I'm going to love my body just the way it is. And that's a wonderful place to be. And of course, that's not necessarily always, but like, ideally, that's, that's the goal. And that's where we all want to be. And I think that the unconditional love and the gratitude that we have for our bodies go hand in hand. Yeah. And for me also, like what kind of sparked me thinking about this was I had a couple stretch marks appear. And like, I feel like stretch marks are such a, um, they're such a, an interesting thing that our body does, you know, when your skin is stretching or changing or moving or doing anything like these marks just like pop up. And especially for me, like, I feel like I have skin that's very prone to get stretch marks. Like for whatever reason, I think it's genetic. Um, but especially in the beginning when they're like red and, prominent and like it's really hard to to look at your body and see stretch marks and think that it looks good you know and then over time they'll fade and sometimes they go away and whatever um and that that makes it easier but it it I think it's important to sit with that discomfort of when you have body changes or when you might have like wrinkles appear that that you didn't have before or moles or freckles or pimples or there's a lot of things, you know, under the umbrella of body positivity that it's like, you don't have to necessarily be grateful for stretch marks or pimples or whatever. 
But I think like you have to be grateful for the system overall and like learn how to sit with the discomfort when it isn't functioning perfectly even, you know? I think, Liesl, you um, somehow eloquently said what I could not say, not somehow because you always eloquently say what you say, but that even when there's parts of your body that you don't love or you're not happy with or aren't working the way that you want them to, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but what I've done and what I have said on my body gratefulness journey is that it doesn't mean that you can't be grateful for it overall. And even if there are things that you would want to be different or that you are not yet loving about your body, it doesn't mean that the wonderful systems of your body and everything else is not a thing that you should be so grateful for and that I am so grateful for. And I think like, it just goes back to this balance. You know, no one is telling you like, you have to love everything about your body all the time. Um, And like, you're not body positive if you have insecurities. Um, And like, sometimes you do just need to like sit with those emotions. And sometimes even gratitude, like, isn't going to help you feel better. You know, like sometimes you will be really sad and feel insecure. And, you know, in your mind, you'll try to be like, but my body is great. It can do X, Y, and Z. And it still won't be enough. Um, But I think like over time, the more that we can feel gratitude towards our bodies, the more that we can be like well-equipped to deal with the times when we don't feel good about it. Okay, so I think that pretty much wraps our discussion up about gratitude, Thanksgiving, and a little sprinkle of body positivity in there. Um, I am so grateful for both of you girls. Um, You are my Thanksgiving treat year after year. Um, So I'm so thankful to have your precious souls in my life. And do you girls have any recommendations for the wise babies out there? Yes, I have two. So my first recommendation is a food recommendation, and that is overnight oats. I had the pleasure of trying overnight oats this morning for the very first time. And it was so easy. I just put a half cup of almond milk and half a cup of oats and a bunch of cinnamon in a bowl. And I covered the bowl and I put it in the fridge overnight. And then I ate it and it was delicious. And I think this is especially relevant because you could make like a fun autumnal overnight oat recipe, perhaps. I put, as I said, some cinnamon in mine. So, you know, you could do like a pumpkin spice one. I don't know, whatever you want. But I highly recommend that if you have not already or if you have already tried overnight oats you try a new flavor or something like that because they were so easy and delicious and then my other recommendation is something that I had the pleasure of trying also for the first time this week due to a TikTok I saw and in this TikTok this girl bought a foot mask on Amazon that made her feet peel And I watched this TikTok and I was in awe because if you have not yet seen the TikTok, she literally sheds skin as if she is a snake. So much so that her toes are webbed. She has to cut the skin off of her feet. It is absolutely disgusting and the most satisfying thing ever. So I watched this TikTok and I said to my roommate, okay, so we're going to do this. And we went on Amazon Prime and we picked you pick the whatever mask we just picked whatever one would come quickest and it came the very next day and it was like ten dollars for two masks and you put these little plastic boots on your feet and you tape them up and you leave them on for an hour and then you take them off and then three to seven days later your feet start peeling so i'm about three days out from this mask and my feet started peeling last night they will not stop peeling they're so soft 
And I know a lot of people are going to think this is absolutely disgusting, but if you don't, please go get this peeling foot mask because it's so fun. And like, it's fun results because your feet are soft, but honestly, I'm having so much fun peeling my feet, which is disgusting to say, but please go just look up like peeling foot mask on Amazon. Okay. I'm done. Thank you. I'm thank Lily, you for the live I babies. Also, I also saw that TikTok and the satisfaction I felt when like her skin was peeling off in like a sheet. I'm like, this is, this is incredible. This is everything that I want and more for myself. And I feel so proud of you that you really took the steps to make it happen because I'm the kind of person where like, I see it and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's like sick, but I'm not going to actually try it for myself. So I feel very, very happy that you did. Thank you. Yeah. I've been as I said, really enjoying it. But I will just say, disclaimer, that video is not realistic. It does not peel off in a sheet. Like if you've ever had peeling skin, like it's like you'll peel a little bit and then you peel more and like it's still satisfying, but the sheet, like that is not how it has worked for me. So I will just say, let's get some realistic ideas of what this is going to be like. Wow. Um, I have not seen that TikTok, nor do I have any plans of ever letting my feet skin peel off. I want my skin to stay right where it is. And I don't care if I don't have soft feet, my feet are ugly and awful and I'm fine with that. Um, but Lily, thank you for sharing. And, um, I hope you're happy with your feet. All right. And my recommendation is a vintage YouTube cover of the song Love Test, which is originally by The Growlers. This cover was done by Maya Mitchell and her boyfriend. I don't know if they're still together. His name is Rudy. And so you can just type into YouTube Love Test Maya Mitchell. Um, And I just think this is a really sweet cover. And it's just a song that I really like to listen to if I'm ever feeling down or any type of way I really like the lyrics and I think that this cover is really sweet and it just puts me in a good mood and makes me feel grateful so thank you all for listening to sophomore citizens the podcast by young people for young people with new episodes every Monday so we'll see you wise babies then make sure to follow us on Instagram TikTok YouTube and more and be sure to leave us a five-star review